I started remote. I've never met anybody in person. I didn't interview in person. I've never been to an office. There's no expectation of what your social calendar should be with colleagues because they don't have places that they're going after work. It's truly a level playing field. Hey everyone, this is Ryan McGinnis with LinkedIn and you're listening to the Team Builders Podcast. This show is brought to you by Recess.io, the platform for internal marketing communications professionals. Recess helps you send your team professional, easy to use internal newsletters and get instant feedback all without learning another complicated software. To get your free internal newsletter template library, head to recess.io slash easy. That's recess.io slash easy. Now let's get back to the show. Here's Chris Handy. Hey, welcome back to the show. I'm here today talking with Ryan McInnes of LinkedIn. I first met Ryan when he was working at a Boston startup and have been following his journey as he launches products at LinkedIn, a part of Microsoft. So hearing his perspective on how he has transitioned into a role at a large company is really interesting. Let's just dig into the conversation right now. Hey, Ryan. Hey, can you hear me? Are you in the city? No, so I'm actually in Stanford, Connecticut, so I can see it from my apartment. My wife is a dentist and she practices in New Haven. So Stanford's a good halfway point. So she's got like a 50 minute commute in. And then whenever I go back to the office, if that happens, that will be about a 50 minute commute as well. You had brought up earlier that you're interested in talking to people who have always been remote and the people who have never been remote. And I've never been remote before. That was actually one of the reasons why when I moved, I was planning to move to New York anyway. And one of the key considerations of leaving was that I didn't want to be a remote employee. Mm. And funny how things ended up the way they did but I ended up being a remote employee. And so this has been like one big experiment for me who traditionally has favored an in-person office environment just because of my personality and the way that I get along with people. Like I crave that human interaction. So I've been thinking a lot about how we recreate those relationships. I started remote. I've never met anybody in person. I didn't interview in person. And I actually said to a couple of friends last night, it's nice when you join a company, there's no expectation of what your social calendar should be with colleagues because they don't have places that they're going after work that you feel awkward to go with them to do or they're clicky in lunch settings or whatever it may be like it's truly a level playing field that's I think a lot cooler if you're especially like somebody like me starting a brand new job but also how do you bring somebody in on a team whose average tenure is like three years And so there's 18 of us and I'm the newest one. What is that like? So you're really coming into a situation where there are already some of these relationships that have been formed. You've got this in-person relationship and then suddenly there's new Ryan over here and and he lives in a Microsoft team channel. You're trying to assimilate and become part of the team. And there's two sides to this. There's you wanting to make sure that you become part of the team. And and like you said, you're craving that in-person experience, but then there's the folks who really would want you to be part of the team and want to make sure that they're doing things right. What's your experience been on the employee side? And what's an example of something that people have done to bring you into the huddle? In my first 30 days, I not only had to meet everybody who was really important, but I also had to get onboarded into a new product. I think that there were all of these really interesting challenges that came with being a fully remote employee, especially because everybody was dealing with this added pressure of trying to figure out how do I separate work from life and how often should I be online? And so I, of course, worked longer than I would have liked. And I've done a better job of setting that sense. But I think the company did a really good job of 
hosting impromptu meetings. We got onboarding buddies. There was a really good sense of team bonding within the larger team that I don't even know would have happened in an in-person setting, especially because my team is in San Francisco. So I'm one of the only folks on my team that are based out of our New York office. So I would have been a head on a screen in an otherwise in-person meeting. And now it gave us the ability to, from a bi-weekly perspective, have the standing meeting where we all come together and share everything we're working on. Our Teams channel was much more lively about things we did over the weekend, fun gifts, sharing interesting things. Texting became really popular. So my manager texted me all the time when I first started seeing how I was doing, if I needed anything even making sure I think my wedding anniversary came up, making sure that I took the day off and, and, and spent time doing that. So I just think that people were a lot more self-conscious around what this was doing to not only the entire employee base, but new people like me who were trying to just figure out how do I make an impact in the role that I was hired to do, but also how do I make an impact as a team member, be a part of, of something that everybody was really proud of because as I had mentioned, most of that the team has been there for three, four, five years, which is incredible. And I, I think they've done a really good job of it, but of course I don't know anything before this. So that was, it was a good thing to come into. The interesting thing coming from the startup world, <clears throat> if you got a text or a call from somebody who was your manager or the founder of the company or whatnot, it was no crap moment, you know, what's going on, what's on fire, or what didn't I do, or what is going to happen tomorrow when I walk into the office? Is there a big thing that we have to prepare ourselves for? This has forced managers to be a lot more thoughtful in using this as a proactive way of communicating with their team and bringing that extra layer of informality to the relationship that maybe would have existed in person. But also it removes the negative stigma around the channel itself. If I get a text from my manager I know that it could very much be a baking recipe. I know it could be something like, hey, I know a few months ago you shared this dinner that you made with your wife. I made a similar dinner and I wanted to show you how it turned out. And I think it's just one more way of building that relationship. And it gives the employee the ability to say, okay, I can use this back now. I can say on a Sunday night, instead of messaging you in the work-related channels, I can say, hey, something came up tomorrow, a personal issue. I know you're going to see this and we have this informal relationship over text. Let's do it here. So it's been awesome. And it's the first time, to be honest, that anybody has proactively from day one said, please text me, feel free to, it's usually an emergency bat phone sort of situation. But this is the first time that I think cell phone numbers have been a really good secondary means of communicating with your team. Sometimes you're going to have these quick, casual, personal conversations when you're walking to the big stand-up meeting or, or just walking to lunch. How do we replicate these in-person moments? And what other ways have you seen those kinds of team bonding moments, as you said, at work as you've joined LinkedIn? A few months ago, we launched this initiative where you would be randomly matched up with members of the team for a virtual coffee within a product marketing organization. Like I mentioned, there's almost 20 of us. So the chances that you're interacting with everybody on a regular basis is very slim, especially given the different locations. We have folks in the Chicago area, San Francisco, and New York. I think it was a really interesting way to make sure that people set aside dedicated time for this relationship building. There's, of course, going to be ad hoc 
relationships that get built. For example, if I'm working with a sales rep on a proposal for a client on a product that I'm working on, we're going to start to build a relationship outside of that client engagement. And that maybe wouldn't have happened in person. We also have the shared experience we're going through together. And then maybe we're also in New York together, which is super weird because normally I've been there for a year, we would have, you know, been getting lunch together or grabbing coffee or whatnot. And so there's also that layer of informality built in, but from a team perspective, I think the team has done a really good job of really making sure that for all hands meetings, group meetings, we're really layering in that personal bonding opportunity, whether it's like breakout rooms within a broader team meeting to discuss personal goals and motivations and things that, uh, impact who you are and what you bring to work, or it's these dedicated initiatives that are making sure that somebody who's an associate product marketer can meet with the director of the organization. There is no boundary that that can't be crossed in terms of how formal a relationship is. So those are some of the things that I think are are really important. And then going back to the well-being part of this all, making sure that there's constant subtle ways that somebody can say, Hey, this time is really hard for me. I need to make sure that I, I have a channel to communicate that whether it is a formal survey, uh, something that happens in the meeting to be able to vote on how you're feeling, or it's within that relationship with your manager, because then they know how you're doing because they're communicating with you on a more frequent basis. They can then influence the people that you're spending more time with, or, Hey, it sounds like he's going through something similar to this person. Let's try to facilitate a way that they can spend some time together. So I just think that stuff is more top of mind as well. When you think about your daily work, and, and one of the things we talk about on this show a lot is how we get other people in the organization excited about what we're doing, right? You being in product marketing, part of your job is getting products to market and making sure that people are are pumped about them. And, and you probably need a lot of help internally to get those things over the line. How have you approached that in this remote environment? And what are some of the things that you've applied to your approach to work that have helped you build that momentum by getting other people bought into what you're working on? Yeah, it's a really good question. I think that this has actually caused me to be a much more thoughtful product marketer when it comes to internal marketing. And, and what I mean by that is everybody is dealing with their own stuff, both at work and in, in their personal life. The first eight months I was at LinkedIn, I was working on our advertising products. And so much of your success depends on sales collaboration, making sure that we're really bringing the best tools to clients to make them successful. And so much of that is understanding what's going on, not only with them, but their customers. Like what's their, what are their issues that they're dealing with? What's their history of working with us on these problems? What are their goals? As opposed to here's a product, we need you to bring present this to your client. It becomes much more of a tailored approach. Obviously those are things that don't scale right off the bat, but what I've really tried to do and learned over this time is to try to build a few core relationships with folks that are influencers within the sales organization. We have sales organizations based on the vertical that they support, and then there's overarching sales leadership and management. And I think both are really important, especially during this time, which is if you can make a handful of influential sales reps successful with your product, with your even your collaboration. So their expectation is if you work with Ryan, He's going to say that there's nothing outside of his scope that he can't help with, obviously to an extent, but that commitment to the client has made us much more successful with the product because there's that level of trust that maybe wouldn't have existed before. So that's something that I've worked a lot on, which is 
really building those core relationships, showing those success points there, and then letting those people be the evangelists for the product as I move on. And then at the same time, I think you need to just share more sooner with what you're working on. So usually within product marketing, we all race to that launch date. We have all these activities and it feels really transactional. I need your support with this. I need you to help me schedule training for this. I need resources to film this video. And it becomes a burden on a lot of people as opposed to they feel that they're part of this journey around something that you're really passionate about. And it obviously leads up to the mission of the company. And so that's what I've tried to do. And that the team has really set a great guiding light on is from the start, when you know something's four or five months out, how do you start to share the narrative earlier? Let people know what that launch will look like. Let them know what sorts of successes you're looking for. Let them know why we're doing this and what the ask is of them. And you do it over and over again over a longer period of time so that when it happens, people know exactly how to bring it to their clients. They know what the value is to customers and to members on LinkedIn when they're coming to these products. And then at the end of the day, there are great ways for you to showcase yourself internally within the product marketing team. If you have success getting a sales team excited about something, which ultimately leads to more growth within the product. That is a blueprint that they want to replicate. How did you do this? How did you take this from this in growth in such a short amount of time? So I think it's investing more in those relationships that may have been more transactional in person, that just by the nature of you understanding what's going on in the world and being more empathetic to the situation within a sales rep in their book of business, because you also have to think about from an advertising perspective, like maybe things changed within the relationship. Maybe they got, maybe they're on a new client that had a really bad history of working uh, with them on something. So I think it's just spending more time to understand them as people, what they're going through and then investing in the success of that. So it can serve you longer term. That thought, just that, that extra attention to the person behind the role that is so important and we should never lose that. There's some really great stuff in there, Ryan. We talked about texting. We talked about use of teams. How do you use email within LinkedIn? I'm cur- always curious to see what people's inboxes look like. I know a lot of folks that are in a customer facing role, like sales or customer success may have more volume, but more and more of those things are being placed in certain buckets. You've got your management system for this particular type of communication. How, what does your email inbox look like for you? Yeah. So first thing I'll say is using Outlook, it's great to schedule emails. I think I I tend to do a lot of my heavy inbox and week planning on Sunday nights or early Monday mornings because I'm obviously on the East Coast and most folks are still asleep and I'm, I'm just starting my day. So I want to make sure that maybe I'll send the emails later into their Monday as opposed to they open up their computer and there's seven emails for me if they're on the same thread. So that's the first thing that I do. The other thing that's I learned this from a colleague of mine, her approach is the things you want her to be really thoughtful about from a response perspective, or if you want her feedback on a document, those go in email. And if you're looking for quick, hey, I'm looking to talk to somebody on X, or do you happen to have the document that you used for a previous launch? I'm interested to see what you did there. That's where we use Teams. And so my inbox has shifted in terms of how I've also asked people to communicate with me, which is if you have a formal ask and you're trying to get some feedback on something, or this is gonna take a little bit of time that can't just be answered over a message, that's when we go to email. But otherwise, like I try to make myself pretty available because I do work with a global sales team, um, support team, customer success team. So I try to make sure that if somebody does need to reach me, like I probably had seven Teams messages this morning just from 
folks trying to understand this product that uh, I'm working on. Hey, what's the, can they have it from here? What do they need to do from this? Those are easy things for me to respond to, but I've tried to make it so that my email becomes more of a formal place to ask for opinions on things that just take a little bit more time, but I've done a lot better of a job of making sure the delegate between the two. Ryan, if you could go back to the beginning of your career in business, what would you tell yourself? What would be the one thing, if you could only give yourself one tip, what would you tell yourself? I think Sarah Payan, she talked about this, but I think we put so much pressure on ourselves in B2B marketing. The dates, we create them. They're all arbitrary. We, we create all of this pressure on ourselves, especially early in our career, where we're trying to make a name for ourselves. We're trying to perform. We're trying to say, hey, maybe I don't have the skills I need to have my boss's job or this other job. What's the fastest path to get there? But at the same time, you are so tunnel visioned on that, that you're not being open-minded enough to understand. Maybe there's soft skills, things that you should be working on, or maybe it's maybe you should want to stay at a company a lot longer than you did because there are things that you didn't realize you wanted to learn that if you weren't so in the weeds all day, you would have a different perspective on. So that's the biggest piece of advice that I give myself and other people is that we're all in such a big race early in our career to get to that milestone where we've made it or what's the fastest path to getting the skills you need to set you up on whatever end goal that you have. But along the way, you burn a lot of great opportunities from a social capital perspective. Your youth is an advantage because you can be more curious. You're more green, as people say, that you can, that you can take in a lot more information. So that's the biggest thing that I would say is like permission to go easier on yourself, to separate work and life and just to be more curious. That's how I got into marketing in the first place. I was an English major. I didn't know that English majors could be in marketing. I became curious about tech. I went to all these meetups and that was actually the thing that opened my eyes to product marketing and, and entrepreneurship and things like that. So that's my advice. Ryan, thank you for joining me today. First, thanks for having me, Chris. So there you have it. That was a great conversation. If you want to connect with Ryan, just check out the show notes where I'll include a LinkedIn profile link and you can go and connect with him there professionally. If you haven't checked out Recess yet, I highly suggest you head over to recess.io and create a free account so that you can send internal newsletters and announcements to your team so that you can rally everyone around a common purpose. I look forward to seeing you next week. Hey everyone, this is Ryan McGinnis with LinkedIn and you're listening to the Team Builders Podcast. That's awesome, man. Man, so good. Feels like a radio intro. Hey, this it, is Justin it, it Bieber. You're listening to... Yeah. <laughs>